Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Well, it's fair to say that relationships can be tricky, yeah? They can be a bit funky and tricky at times. And I can remember a fight that my husband Mike and I had back when we were engaged that was pretty significant. We'd been going through marriage prep with our youth pastor at the time and he actually said to us, you guys are way too optimistic, you're way too positive, you need to have a really big fight. And we're like, surely not. (laughs) Anyway, that soon eventuated and I can still remember we were engaged, we're driving along, Mike's driving, I'm in the passenger seat and it got pretty heated, let me tell you. There was things that were said, I was getting pretty angry and kind of getting cross at each other and I remember thinking, I don't even know who this guy is, I'm going to marry, I don't know, what am I doing? And we pull over and the argument unfolds and in reality, the argument started over should we have one or two coffee tables in our new home? And now, the reality is 20 years on in marriage, we don't have any coffee tables. We're a footstool family. So it's kind of funny that that's what happened. But often in arguments and relationships and disagreements, what starts about really isn't the issue. Often there's something deeper going on that we need to address. And relationships are hard. We all have so many relationships and friendships as part of our world. In fact, an anthropologist, Dunbar, talks about the fact that each of us can have up to five very close friends, 15 close friends, 50 just friends, and then 150 casual friends. That is a lot of relationships to keep up, a lot of people we're interacting with, and whilst there can be a sense of joy, they can also be a space that is tricky and difficult to manage and quite hard and result in brokenness and pain. In fact, right now, this season that we're in, more than ever before, there can be controversial topics that are discussed, polarising views, and there can be tension in families and friendships. And so more than ever, we need to find a way to step towards the other, to seek restoration and see relationships work. And that's why we are stepping into this series around restore, because we believe that our God wants to restore us and restore relationships. And Mike spoke last week about the idea of how God restores the relationship between him and us, that he reaches to us and loves us. And so today I want to talk about the idea that God longs to restore the relationship between us and others, between other people. And you might even be here right now online or in the room, and as soon as I talk about broken relationships, there might be something really heavy on your heart. There might be something, a sense of pain, a relationship that is broken right now. And I want to encourage you today that our God longs to restore that which is broken. He longs to restore and he wants to move in power and might. We can be encouraged because our God is at work. The reality is that at different points in time, any of us can have broken relationships. And the first thing we need to do if we're actually going to seek restoration is we need to acknowledge the reality that we find ourselves in. We need to be prepared to face the reality that exists and actually seek to understand what is it that's actually broken. If we look back at the beginning of creation, we read it in the first book of the Bible in Genesis where God talks about how Adam and Eve were tempted. 
And in temptation, they disobeyed God. And that is where sin and brokenness entered the world. And that's when relationships were damaged. Relationships between humans were broken at this point. And what we see is with Adam and Eve, their very first response to broken relationship was to hide, was to cover up their nakedness and shame and to hide away not only from God but from each other. And I wonder today if we sometimes find ourselves a bit like that. When a relationship is broken and hurting, that we just want to hide. We just want to hide away and retreat. Maybe we, we hide the reality. Hide the reality from others. Oh, this doesn't really hurt me. I'm not really affected by this. And we push it down and we push it down. Maybe we hide from others how we're really feeling. And maybe as words are spoken, our response is to retreat and withdraw, and there's more and more space and dysfunction in the relationship. And maybe even sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking we can hide the reality of the broken relationship from God. We just want to retreat and hide. But if we are going to be people who God restore, the first thing we need to do is face our reality. Name and acknowledge Be prepared to acknowledge the darkness and the ugliness in our lives. And so my question for each one of us today, no matter where we are, is what's our reality? What's our reality today? Let's be brave and honest. There's no shame in acknowledging the brokenness that exists. But there's freedom when we start to acknowledge the reality. Because, you know, we are actually in good company as broken people. If we read in the Bible, there is broken relationship after broken relationship. We read that Cain murdered his brother Abel. Imagine how that family responded to that. We read that Jacob and his mum, Rebekah, duped Esau, the other brother, out of his birthright. You think about the deceit and the lies and the trickery that was going on in that family. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. They beat him, sold him off. The isolation, the grief his father experienced. King David had an affair with another man's wife, an abuse of power for his gain. Think about Mary and Martha, siblings that didn't get along at times. Peter didn't always like Paul and even Jesus himself knew what it was like to be disappointed and have broken relationships. The disciples weren't always there for him in his time of need. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Broken relationships are a reality and there's no good ignoring or brushing over or shoving it down in the hope that it can go away. We actually need to be brave, courageous and acknowledge the reality that we find ourselves. So the reality is relationships are broken. But you know what? Simultaneously, the reality is we have a God who knows us, who loves us, who cares and is with us in the brokenness. We read in Psalm 139, it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And the psalmist then goes on to say that there's nowhere we can go 
where we're away from God's Spirit, that He is with us. And so whilst the reality we face is that we exist in a broken relationships, we also simultaneously have a reality that we have a God who is all-knowing, who is with us, who is for us. He is in the brokenness and has a better plan. And it's not like he knows it all that he's kind of watching going, yeah, I knew that was going to go wrong, come on. He's actually there, present, loving, going, because I know you, I've got a better plan. Because I know you, I have more for you. And that today is where our hope begins. In the reality that our God knows us online, in the room. He knows you individually. He sees you and knows the brokenness you're feeling and he's got more. So this is our reality, but what do we do with broken relationships? Well, we have a responsibility. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we have a responsibility to love others, to step towards, to reach out. We read in Matthew this command to love. It says, teacher, someone speaking to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. See, Jesus is saying here that really everything can be summed up in kind of two commandments. Love God, love your neighbour. He makes it that simple. And when he talks about neighbour, as we see recorded in the Good Samaritan, the idea of neighbour is not just the person living next to you. Neighbour is anyone in need. It's all people. It's people that don't always look and act just like us, but it's anyone and everyone we're called to love. See, God's grace is wide and far-reaching, and he expects the same of us. And we see here that Jesus is saying it's a command to love. It's not an encouragement. It's not, I'd really like you to. It's mandated. It is commanded of us to love all people, whether they look like us, behave like us, make choices like us, even the tricky ones in our lives. The people that it is hard to love, Jesus makes it clear we're called and we're commanded to love them. Now, speaking of love, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. How good is that? I'm not going to ask you to put in the chat or to raise your hand right now if you've got plans for Valentine's because you might want to keep it on the down low or you might not be that organised yet. But Valentine's Day, the day of love, is happening tomorrow. And I, I tried to find really cheesy Valentine's cards. Do you know what? There's some pretty dodgy ones out there. But there's one I thought might be a bit funny. It says, I love you except when you snore and then I want to suffocate you. I'm just saying maybe I might need to use that sometimes. Um, But we actually, Mike and I, we don't do Valentine's Day because Mike will say, babe, every day is Valentine's Day. Yeah, come on. I'm sure you've heard people say that. Oh, he's getting an applause for that? My goodness. Every day is Valentine's Day. But here's what I want to say, is that is actually wonderful. That is actually what Jesus is saying, do. I want you to live every day like it's Valentine's Day. I want you to love people every day. Permission to make every day Valentine's Day. Jesus says, do it, love people every single day. Because you know, if we want to see a broken relationship restored, one card, one dinner, 
one event, that's not enough. We need more. We need to change our posture. We need to live it daily, make good choices daily. Because I want more than just a card. And so do others. We need to do more than just a moment in time. It's a posture. It's a way of life. It becomes who we are, a daily loving choice to forgive, to be kind, to step towards the other, to reach out. You see, this command from Jesus, it's not merely orders to follow, but it's an invitation into a whole new way of living life. It's an invitation to be transformed. In fact, Jesus says that people will know about us by how we love others. We read in John 13, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, we get to reveal the character of God as we love people. We're showing people whose team we're on as we love people. And it goes on to say in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus is calling us to a higher standard. Jesus expects more. If we say we are a follower of Jesus, if we say we love him, then we are expected, we are commanded to love others. And it is a high standard and a high calling and it is hard and we can't get around it. There's no optional extra. It's not, there's an opt out clause. It's a command for all of us. And the reality is you might be thinking, yeah, but you don't know, Michelle, my relationships. You know just how tricky they are and how many complicated layers there are. I don't know. But I know that our God calls us to more. If we say we love him, we can't not love others. Because if we flip those commands, if we don't love others, we're saying we don't love God. We are saying that we don't love him when we don't love others. We can't separate loving God and loving others because God is love. And so when we declare that we love him, part of that is loving others. We see further on in John that it talks about if we can't love people we can see, how can we say we love a God we can't? You can't separate them. I agree, it is crazy hard to love all people. And I know there are deep hurts and pain. I acknowledge that and I don't want to make light of that. But I can't get around this command that is in God's word that declares if we say we love Jesus, we are commanded to love others. We are commanded to step towards, to show forgiveness, to seek restoration, to show compassion, kindness and love to the other. Now hear me well. This does not mean to step towards abuse. There are relationships that are unsafe and you need help. I'm not saying that. And there are times when relationships are so tricky and it's good and right to seek counselling and support. And there are times when only one party of the relationship is wanting restoration. And I understand the reality of the brokenness of the falling world we're in, so we can't promise the other part of the party. But no matter what goes on, even if it's one-sided, we need to forgive and we need to step towards and seek restoration as much as for us as anything. Our God longs for restoration and he commands us to participate in what he's doing. But you know, this, this responsibility that is so clear to love, it is beyond hard. In our own strength, it is near impossible. 
loving others, seeking restoration, will only ever occur with reliance on him. It's only ever going to occur when we are entirely reliant on Jesus and his strength. It's only possible with reliance on him for both wholeness for us and strength to love the other. Because I've got to be honest, in my own strength, I run out. I run out of love. I run out of kindness. I run out of grace and compassion. I get empty and I've got nothing left to give. And I even had a moment a number of months ago with God down at the beach and I was sharing with him about a relationship and some words that were spoken to me. I really hurt and I felt really bruised by some nasty words that were spoken. And I was saying to God, I don't want to step towards this person. I feel really hurt by what they've done and I don't even want to go there. And I felt God clearly say, Michelle, you have to step towards, you have to obey. And I remember saying to God, I can't. I've got nothing. I can't step towards this person. And God beautifully encouraged me and spoke to me and said, that's okay. You don't have to. I will do it through you. And he gave me this picture of a funnel. He gave me this picture that my responsibility was to be open to him and to his love. And he had enough love and grace and forgiveness for that person when I had nothing. And he simply wanted me to be open. And I felt him talk to me about this whole idea of a funnel, that I had to remove the gunk in the funnel. I had to confess and I had to forgive. And I had to say, Lord, get me right. But I did not have to fix the relationship in my strength. And the weight just lifted when I realised he just wanted me to respond to his love and allow that to pour through me. Because I get empty and I run out, but he never runs out. And this is what we see in his word, this invitation that a God who is loving gives us everything we need. 1 John 4 talks about, and I'll read it to you now. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they can see cannot love God whom they have not. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. 
Again, this passage reinforces the command, the responsibility. We are called to love others. But we see that it's only through reliance on Jesus. So we rely on Him firstly for our own wholeness and restoration. We need to come to Him and allow Him to heal us. Verses 9 and 10 speak of He loved us first. He initiated. Jesus has done everything so that we can be restored and loved. Our brokenness, our sins, it's all dealt with. Jesus is the source of restoration. And so we need to receive this love before we've got anything else to give. You think about it a bit like if someone hurts you or or harms you physically, you don't go back to the accuser or the perpetrator to be healed. You go to your doctor or a nurse, you go to the hospital. Same thing when we are hurt and wounded by relationships, we don't go back to the accuser or who did it. We go to God, the ultimate physician, the ultimate healer for our restoration. We rely on him for wholeness. And then we rely on him for the strength to love others. He heals us and then he gives us everything we need to love on others. Verse 7 talks about that our love comes from God. Verses 12, 15 and 16, that it's God who lives in us. Verse 13, that he's given us his Holy Spirit. We don't have to manufacture this love. We receive from him. Everything we need to give someone else comes from him. Verse 16 says we can rely on the love God has for us. That's more than enough. That's what we rely on, the love that God has for us. That is what we need to see relationships restored. It's an invitation rather than fixing it ourselves to rely on the love of God to bring restoration. The reality is we have broken relationships. We need to face this reality. We have a responsibility to step towards, to love. But it's only possible with reliance on Jesus. And there is hope that there is so much more because our God, not what we can do, everything He does in His power, He can restore. He can do more than we could ask or imagine. Relationships that feel too hard, he can move in power and restore. Because you know, I've seen this. I've seen this in people's lives as God has transformed. And I've seen this in a particular relationship, a couple in our church family. Now this couple, they were married for about two years and had two kids. And they had just bought at auction their dream home. Things were looking great from the outside looking in. It looked like everything was working. And that night as that couple came home, just bought their dream home at auction, the husband said to the wife, I need to tell you something. She's thinking, great, about the house. What are we we talking about? And he said, I need to tell you that I've had an affair and I'm addicted to pornography. Just imagine the brokenness in that moment for that wife to hear that. The grief, the shattered, the, the trust that was broken. Yes, she was overwhelmed, but in her pain, she chose to cry out to God. She chose to cry out to our God who restores. And this wife has spoken to me and said that within an hour of hearing those words from her husband, she had a peace that surpasses all understanding from God. She had a peace that God gave her and God spoke to her and said really clearly, you have to stay in this marriage 
and I will give you the strength to forgive. This shattered dreams, this brokenness, God was present and said, I have more. And when she spoke to me about this, she shared how in the past she'd looked to restore relationships in her way. But this time she's like, I've got nothing, God, you have to do it. I'll follow your way. And so this couple decided to face the reality of their brokenness. They chose to name what was going on, to tell some close friends, to bring it into the light. So Satan had no power, was no longer in the dark, but they owned the reality, went and saw a psychologist and a counsellor, had prayer, but they faced the reality of the brokenness. And over time, God moved. And there was this another specific time where this couple remember the weight the husband was experiencing, just the mental pain and struggles. And they prayed together and the wife prayed for him. And the next morning he was free. There was a break, the weight had shifted, the addiction had shifted. God moved in power. And this couple talk about the fact that it was hard. They had to choose to love each other. They had to choose to step towards each other. She had to choose to forgive her husband. But God moved in power because they relied on Him and said, we can't do this in our own strength. And now five years on, they are happily married. Yes, they've got to still choose each other every day. But they both have spoken about the fact that they're closer to each other and God. They have been restored by the power of our God. A relationship that without God would have just ended in a heap, destroyed, over, walked away, brokenness. And yet God healed what was broken. That is the God we worship. A God who can restore even relationships that we think they're too hard, they've gone too far, they've been broken too long. God says, I can restore that because He is the King of Kings. He has power over everything. And that's what I wanna encourage us today. No matter where you find yourself, whether you're online or in the room, as we own our reality, as we step towards the responsibility of loving, relying on King Jesus, He can do more. He can restore what is broken. Let's pray.